Oh, just uh, so just in case you didn't know this morning or weren't aware, we did a big sale this morning, and we made a hundred and twenty-five dollars, which is unfortunately not the full amount. But if you combine it with what we made from T-shirts, we are way above and beyond what we needed. So as soon as all the money comes in from T-shirts and everything, we are well. Technically, no. The extra money is probably just going to go towards, like, maybe help people pay for camp, so. Well, I mean, it's still for... Yes, food. yes. Yeah. That's what I'm we had at least six or... Right. There, yeah, yeah. We had about six or seven extra t- I mean, t-shirts ordered today, and so we're going to have quite a bit. Um, on, yeah, yeah. Um, Nothing like giving that last push. And then Faith's got to order. She's going to order 20. So her whole wardrobe is going to be nothing but momentum t-shirts from now on. Six of every color. Yeah, exactly. Well, we don't have to worry about that. I'm just kidding. Well, we have been... Anybody remember what we've been talking about? Pause. Obviously, yes. This, this kind of gave it away. Been in this series called Pause, and we're winding down. We have after tonight, we only have one week left, and that's it. And then the momentum summer kickoff, and so um, we've been talking about the temptations of Jesus. Just in case, is that what you said? I didn't hear you say that. I didn't hear you say anything. The temptations of Jesus. Yes, we've been talking about those. And you remember in week one, um, those of you who were here, I did the Jenga thing, right? You remember that? We talked about the idea that. You weren't here that week. But that represented, well, I'll, I'll tell you again, just so you know. It represented our relationship with God and talking about the idea that when we mess with temptation or sin over and over and over again, it begins, just like in Jenga, to start to chip away at our relationship with God. And over time, we have nothing left. Or it just collapses on us. And, it, and, I, and I said that that's really, I believe, one of the main reasons so many people fall away from the church. Now, I don't know how this happened for you, how this worked for you, but for me, I became a Christian in March of 2001, and um, God really started to deal with me immediately on some things that were going on in my life, sins and areas of things that I, I wasn't really aware of. I mean, I had a lot of sin in my life. I grew up in a family where um, there were no Christians, and we didn't have a lot of rules. Things like um, drinking drug use, um, smoking, cussing, pornography, sex, uh, you know, lying, stealing, cheating, all of those things, abuse and violence, they were all part of my life. Not necessarily saying that I, I did all of those things. I'm out, you know, robbing banks or whatever um, as like a 13-year-old, although... If I did, maybe it would have paid for some college later, but, and that's, never mind. No. Um, uh, you know, but all of that stuff was around me. I mean, I saw all of that stuff, or I participated in some of that stuff in my own life, and uh, it was something I was very familiar with. Um, but when I became a Christian, I started to walk another path. I think that's true for most of us. You'd probably say when you, you became a Christian or, or maybe you had a season of your life where you walked away from God and, and you went down another path and then... God brought you back, and, and you, you start to walk away from that stuff, and it takes kind of, sometimes it's, it's a slow thing. 
you're slowly moving away. You know, you, you, you let go of that sin, then you let go of that other sin, and you slowly walk down a path towards God. And it took me a long time. There were a lot of things still kind of hanging on. And, but here's where I made my mistake. I made the mistake, and I think a lot of us make this mistake, when it comes to dealing with sin in our relationship with God. We assume that God is always going to just forgive us. That we can do whatever we want, you know, and, and God will just, he'll just forgive because he's a good God. I, I, you know, I kind of had this mentality, I can just sin as often as I want, and as long as I ask for forgiveness of it later, I'll be all right. God forgave me all of that stuff once, he'll do it again, right? That was kind of my attitude. God will take care of it. Oh, well, I lied to my parents. No big deal. Oh, well, you know, I looked at porn. Oh, well, I cheated on that test. Oh, well, you know, went out and got drunk. Oh, well, I, I had a smoke with a friend. God will forgive me. No big deal, right? And this mentality, I think, I, I, I would argue a lot of Christians look at their relationship with God exactly like that. They believe that that's, that's just how God operate, operates. And for me, it began to take over my life. I just thought, I can do whatever I want, and God will forgive me. It's possible that maybe you have thought this before. Or, if not, maybe about God, you thought it about your parents. It's like, ah, they love me. They won't kick me out. They won't abandon me, because they just, you know, I can do whatever I want. They love me. You know, they will forgive me. I, don't answer this out loud. Answer this to yourself. But have you ever just assumed that no matter what you did, God is going to forgive you and it'll be all right. Um, I, I'm not sure, just for the sake of our talk tonight, I'm not sure that this is the kind of attitude that we're allowed to have about who God is. And I'm quite certain that this is not the attitude that we're allowed to have about sin as Christians. If we all profess to be Christians, that it would be just, okay, I can do whatever I want and God will forgive me later. But temptation is one of those really odd things. No matter who you are, what your story is, what you've experienced in life, no matter what it is, we all get tempted. Right? I mean, wouldn't you say, you, you have all, at least once, I would say, been tempted by something. No matter whether you are a Christian, you've been a Christian your whole life, or whether you're an atheist, and I don't believe we have any of those here. I hope not, anyways. Um... Or maybe I shouldn't say it that way. Maybe it would be cool if we did have a few. But um, I would say that it doesn't matter what you believe about God. We are all tempted at some point or another. And over time, dealing with temptation, I think, has this tendency to make us begin to wonder why we do certain things. I don't know about you, but I wonder sometimes why I do certain things. Why I struggle with certain areas of sin? Why do I do things that hurt me or that damage my relationship with God? Have you ever ever had that, that thought come to your mind about something? Why do I lust every time I see that person? Or why do I you know, have this, this tendency to, 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 to lie to my parents? Why do I want to lie to my parents about things? I know they love me and I love them. Why, why, do, I, why do I do that? Why? And, and to use lusting again just to, to 
because I, I believe that lusting doesn't have to just be a sexual thing. You know, why is it every time I see that girl in those awesome shoes that she has, or, or you know, that, that, that guy with that awesome jacket, he's got that cool jacket and he just looks so good, and I, I need a jacket like that. I need to, you know, I can't live. I'm not cool without a jacket like that. You know, I, I know none of you have ever thought anything like that ever in your life, you know. Um, but maybe one of us in here has some, someone has thought something like that before. Why do I do things that hurt my family when I love them? Why do I do things that hurt my body and I love my body? See, in Christianity, I believe we have kind of an answer for this. And we've been unpacking this over the last couple of weeks as we've been talking about temptation. Now, majority of you have been here every week, so we're just going to do a little quick quiz before we get into our text for tonight. I wanted to see how much of this you actually remember. Just, I know most of you probably don't pay attention at all when we talk, so I'm just, you know, just, just going to give it a shot here. In week one, we talked about this idea that there are three things at stake when it comes to temptation. Three things. Can anybody remember what they were? Even They were three things that start with F. That helps you out any. Faith was the last one, yeah. Family, that's the second one. Remember what the first one was? Think far in the distance. Your future. Oh, I thought that's what you said. What did you say? I was saying fears. Oh, no, that's not at stake. We don't care about your fears. If you have nightmares at night, that's your problem. No. We also wrestled with this question, and I won't quiz you on this, but with this idea of can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? We too, we talked about temptation is always a testing of what? Yes. I was going to you because you had already said it once. And it's not just about, remember the other one? It's a testing of your faith. It's not just about self. Anybody remember? Self-control. I, I, that, that, was, that was a tricky one. That was a tough one. We did talk about confidence. We talked about confidence in God the first week. We talked about the idea of being a testing of your faith, not just your self-control. There's a huge difference between faith and self-control. And then we talked about this question, and this was just Wednesday too, so it's really not that far away. Um, the idea that is God big enough? Is our God big enough? Tonight, I want to look at the second temptation. So if you have an app and you want to get in the Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 again. Matthew chapter 4. Um, and... Uh, I don't know uh, uh, about you, but I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on the things that I'm tempted by. I mean, I feel like if somebody asked me to make a list of the things I'm tempted by, I could do it. Do you, I mean, can we get a nod on that? Do you think that you could do that? The things that tempt you. And, and, and I would bet that you can tell me when in a given day you're going to be tempted by those things too. I mean, I, I would say that, you know... You can probably look at your day and say, I know when, where, and how I'm going to be tempted almost every single day. Not to, not to say that there aren't things that pop up. You know, like Allison was actually talking about something with me this past week about and, and how, you know, they brought cake into work. She was talking about cake. And she was able to say no to it like three different times. And I was like, was really proud of that. You know, the idea that she just didn't feel the need to have to have that. And she says it wasn't even very good cake. And so it was like, you know, it was like cheap, like marsh or some sort of cake that she just didn't need. And so had somebody handmade it, man, she might have been all up in that. But she didn't need that junky cake. And so, 
You know, there are things, though, that we know in a given day. You probably know when you're, you know, when you get to school and, and you hang out with that particular person, you're going to be tempted to gossip. You know, when you are at school or you're hanging around a particular person, you're going to be tempted to talk and say certain words because that's kind of what they do. Or when you sit at lunch with that group of people, you talk about doing things or you eventually do things when you're around those particular people that you wouldn't normally do or that you shouldn't do. And you know when you're with them, that's the temptation that exists. And so last week we talked about the first temptation. Jesus was hungry. Very obvious. Do what? Yes, he was tempted to turn the stones into bread. Now, this, I, I think this second temptation, which is what you just said, is so much more subtle. It's not... It, it, it's... Do what? Yeah, it's not one of those things that it's like, I think we think about all that time, all, all the time. I mean, it, I would say if you've been in the church all of your life, you have probably been tempted to do this more than somebody who like, just became a Christian or hasn't been in the church very long. Um, we, we, we get tempted to presume on God or to assume that God is always going to do whatever we need Him to do. God will always take care of me. He will do whatever I want him to do. He's, we, we treat God like he's this magic genie in a little lamp and he's going to give us our three wishes and then a few bonus wishes after that. You know, that's, that's kind of the approach. So I want to look at this, Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. It says, if you are the son of God... He said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will not strike your foot against a stone. I mean, that just sounds treacherous, doesn't it? Just, I don't know. There's something about that that's always seemed kind of wimpy to me, that last part. Like, ow. Yeah, you know, like I stubbed my toe. But he's like literally going to jump off a building. I think it's going to hurt. It would hurt a lot more then. So this is the temptation to think that God has to meet our needs. He has to take care of us. He has to help us when we screw things up. And let me, let me give you an example of this. A few years ago, I was um, pastoring at a church in Harvard City, and um, we had left. Um, I had just gotten a, a new car. And when I say a new car, it wasn't like, oh, wow. Man, that's a nice car. I went from a 96 Pontiac Firebird that was awesome, bright red, T-tops, to the white car that we have now, the, the, the 2004 Chevy Malibu white. Plain Jane, could not be any more of like a grandma car. Uh, if it was a Cadillac, then it would be even more. But, but it's just like this, like, old, to me it's an old lady car. And... But I got, and not one time did I get pulled over in the entire time that I had the red Firebird, like the first week I have the white car, coming home from Allison's parents' house with a bunch of kids from the youth group. We got like four or five of us in the car, and I get pulled over coming into Hartford City. Like, just, we were, we were flying. I mean, I, I didn't, we had the music cranked, and we were, we were speeding, and I got pulled over for speeding. And, and one of the kids in the car, his name was Eric. His dad was on the sheriff's department. And his first inclination was, I'm going to call my dad and he's going to get us out of this. Like, all right. 
and, 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 and you know, I didn't, it, didn't, it didn't work. I mean, it, clearly, he couldn't even get a hold of his dad, I don't think. But it, it, it didn't help out at all. You know, the, the officer, I think, wrote me a, 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 like a warning ticket. I didn't get an actual ticket, thank goodness. But all that to say, the way Eric wanted to treat that situation, to call his dad and get us out of it, is exactly how I think many of us treat our relationship with God. We look at God as this, you know, like I said, the genie, you know, and we, we, we get ourselves in a situation, we screw things up, and then we call on God to come and fix it. Say, God, you know, and it's almost like forcing his hand to, to help us. It's, it's, it's like the lady dating the guy who says, well, he's not a Christian now, but once we get married, I'll start praying for him, you know, and, 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 and I will pray him. To, to become for him to become a Christian, or or like when you go to school and, and you got that test that you you need to you needed to study for, but you didn't study for it, and so you're like, like well, guess I better throw up a hail mary and pray for this one, you know, and and ask God to uh, you know uh, bless me on this test, Jesus, uh, please give me all the answers through A, B, C, and D, you know, let's hope this works out, you know, maybe we'll make a cross and it'll it'll be all right, you know, you know, in the scantron, you know, that's presuming on God that's assuming that he's going to help because you stayed up all night you know playing video games or or talking on the phone or whatever you know watching tv you know because you had to see the next episode of the voice and you didn't you know you didn't actually study God I don't I don't think God works that way you know when it's kind of one of those things where we set the situation up we fail and then we expect God to come in and fix our issues. Um, we have faith, or sorry, I'm phrase that. We have language for this in the church. We actually have a, a particular set of language that we use all the time. We call it, I'm just taking a step of faith. You ever heard anybody say that? People say that all the time. I'm just going to live out in faith, or I'm just going to take this step of faith and trust that God is going to come through for me. What that usually means is, We've come up with an idea that isn't very well researched. It defies common sense. It defies wisdom. We have gotten no counsel. And we're going to dive right in and rely on God to help us and hope everything works out in the end. And if it doesn't, we're going to trust that God is going to bail us out in the end. I, I cannot count the amount of times, and especially in college, I think more so in college, that I saw people do this. They would get this half-baked idea that they're going to do something. Oh, in fact, I, I, I don't know whether I should share this or not, but I, I will go ahead and just uh, and do it anyways now that I've brought it up. We had a guy come to the church just a couple weeks ago. Freaked everybody out because Pastor Mark wasn't here. It was on his day off, and he was looking for Pastor Mark, and the guy wanted money. And he said God had called him to go south. And he was going to ride. He had a backpack on couple coats, a hat, and a bicycle. And he was going to ride his bike south to spread the word of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to say that God didn't call him to do this. But it sounds pretty crazy to me. And he just up and went. He rode his bike south. He went clear as far as, I think, Lexington. Maybe even a little further. And has since come back. You know, and... To me, that sounds like a pretty crazy idea. That might fall into the category of a crazy idea and then hope that God just comes through for you. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm just giving you an example. I, I, can't, I can't for sure say on that. He did come back and say now he wants to ride to Montana. So <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I, the idea of presuming on God is not faith. It's simply presumption. That is, assuming that God will take care of you or help you with your idea, your own will, your own plan, even if it's stupid. You know, that's not faith. We get mad when God doesn't provide this miracle to fix our, 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 the, the mess up, that we, you know, the, the, the big you know, mistake that we've made. And we say things like, God, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you provide for me? Why didn't you come through for me? And he's saying, it wasn't even my idea. It was a bad idea to begin with, you know? You, you should watch less late-night television, less Oprah, and, and, and read your Bible more. I don't know. I'm just, I just felt like I had to get in there and attack Oprah for just a second. Sorry. Um, we, I think very clearly, I just want to say, we cannot force God to, to do something for us. We cannot... Um, use Christian terminology and, 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 and Christian language to make it seem like we're doing something very faithful if it's not faith to begin with, if it's just assuming that God is going to do something for us. Faith is not coming up with an idea, pulling the trigger on that idea, and then asking God to bless it. Faith is responding to the promises of God, what He's already established and said in His Word that He is going to do. That's what faith is. There's hope, which is what we've been talking about. It's the idea that kind of, you know, having a good idea and hoping if you execute that idea that God is going to bless it. That that's that's hope, but that's not that's not faith. There's a huge difference. Faith is responding to the promises of God, not our bad ideas. This is exactly what Jesus does in this moment with with Satan. He Again, we talked about this on Wednesday, how he was pulling from the nation of Israel. He was pulling um, out of the history of Israel to help inform his ability to see this temptation for what it is. And he does it again. He does it again. And I want to I just share that really quickly, and then we'll close. If you remember, we were talking about how the Israelites wandered into the, in the desert for, like, for 40 years. Yeah, for a long time. And... There was like two million of them. I mean, that's a lot of people to feed and a lot of people to have water for. And eventually, over time, they run out of water. And so they had two choices. Their choices were option one, trust God to provide water for them. Or option two, get mad and then like taunt God and, and, and even go as far as, well, Moses is like the spokesperson for God, so why don't we go and taunt him and aggravate him a whole bunch because they won't get us, he won't get us any water. And, that, and of course... As you would expect, the nation of Israel decides to do option two, like they usually do. They go and they start bugging Moses, and they're attacking him verbally, and, and this is what happens. Exodus 17, verses 2 through 3. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water. The... Let me read that again. But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? I always am fascinated by the response of the people of Israel. 
They were in slavery for 400 years, and they're like, why did you bring us out of slavery to let us die of thirst? Or why did you bring us here to die in the desert? It's like, you would rather be slaves? I mean, you know, if you're weighing the options here, I'd rather navigate the desert than spend my life in slavery. I don't know. But that's kind of how they, they looked at it. And, and Exodus really is this book of the history. It talks about the history of Israel. And then there's this other one, Deuteronomy, which we, we read out of last week. And, and it's more of the speech of Moses telling the story, recounting these events. And if, if you've ever seen any in a sports movie, sports movies are the best for this, uh, where they have that, like, the coach has gathered everybody around and he's having his big pep talk. You know what I'm talking about? He's, and, and it's always the best music and the best moment in the movie. It's like the most exciting scene. He's talking to everybody about how they're going to win and how they're going to be champions and they're going to go on and, and just everything is going to be great and then they lose. No, um, you know, and, and it's this like the locker room scenes or whatever or you know, in the dugout or on, on the sidelines and it's this really exciting moment. That's kind of what Deuteronomy is. I mean, without all the glitz and the glam. You know, it's... it's, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a speech kind of building the people of Israel up. And it says this, chapter 6, verse 16. Moses says, Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Ma- uh, Massa. I think I say, I'm saying that right. Um, Jesus answered him. Sorry. I have two scriptures on top of each other and I just went into <laughs> tried to tried to make it seem like it's, Jesus was being talked about in Deuteronomy there. Moses speaking to the nation of Israel. Let me read this again. He says simply, "Do not put the Lord, or do not test the Lord your God as you did Amasa." Then we read Jesus saying in Matthew chapter four, verse seven. Jesus answered him, "It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test.'" Okay, what I'm trying to say here is is that Jesus is drawing on this idea that has been kind of woven in the stories and the nation of Israel for all these years. They would have known about, you know, Moses and, and all that went on. And he's pulling from this and saying to Satan, it is written. We, we, that's, not, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. We don't put the Lord our God to the test. And I think for each and every one of us, that is, it would be a huge moment whenever we face temptation to really say out loud, nope. I don't do that. I don't, I don't test the Lord. I don't test God. I don't presume that He's going to take care of me. I don't presume that He's going to do these things for me. I, I'm not someone who's trying to manipulate God. I'm not going to manipulate the Lord to do what I want Him to do. See, Jesus does something... Is that Jacob? Sorry. Sounded very different. That was kind of... Like there's a new kid in here. Um, Jesus does something that each one of us should do when it comes to temptation. And he doesn't try to manipulate God. He cooperates with God. He cooperates with God. As Christians, we are called to cooperate with God, not manipulate. But when we assume that he's going to do things for us, that's where we are trying to move his hand, trying to manipulate. Let me give you an example of this, of what I'm talking about. Have you ever... Um, probably not any of you here because you're just a shy too young who've ever had to actually do this probably now. But have you ever had to print off directions on like Google Maps or MapQuest 
Is MapQuest even a thing anymore? Well, oh, yeah. This is not the Google Maps. Okay, okay. Yeah. You're right. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've printed them off or I've even been using my GPS and, and the crazy lady on there is trying to tell me to go a particular way and I'm kind of like... You mean the computer? No, oh, it's the crazy lady. I don't know. Yeah, she's nuts, man. She's on crack. I think she sits at a desk and just waits to tell me when to turn. Didn't you know that? Yes, turn right now. And sometimes you think you know a better way, and sometimes you do know a better way. I feel like I, you know, I always know a better way. You know, and so I try not to listen to her. I don't read the map or whatever. And then I screw things up. And and and, and essentially, essentially, this is really what we're talking about in a nutshell tonight. Is this idea of when we, God lays out a plan, and he's telling us what to do, and we go our own way, and do it our way, and then we've really gotten lost, and we've messed things up, and, and we're blaming the GPS. We're mad at the GPS, we're yelling at the GPS, because it's its fault, you know, because it spent 15 minutes saying, reconnecting, reconnecting, or whatever, what is, does it say, reconnecting, or... Recalculating, that's the word I'm looking for. You know, and, and, and we're blaming the GPS when it was really our fault for going the wrong way to begin with. And I think what we have to figure out or what we have to decide to do is make a choice. Are we going to, in these types of situations, try to manipulate God or try to cooperate with God? Are we going to go His way or are we going to go our way? Every day, we could get up and benefit from praying this prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do it His way. Yes, exactly. Do you have it all memorized? Did you do it? I don't even know if I could do it from the beginning. Heaven, be thy name. Kingdom come, will be done as it is in heaven. Semantics. Nice job. See, I always want to say, I always want to flip flop power and kingdom for whatever reason. I always want to do that as the power and the kingdom. But, anyways. So, let me let me just ask you, and then we'll close. Yeah, debts or transgression. Yeah, some, yeah, depending on the translation. Let me ask you this question, and then we'll close. When it comes to temptation and this type of situation, where are you going to go? Are you going to try to manipulate? You're going to go to David and see what he does? Are you going to manipulate? Or are you going to cooperate? Are you going to do it your way? Or are you going to try to do it God's way? I think, for the most part, the reason why many of us want to go our own way is because we just haven't surrendered to God's plan. We just haven't let ourselves be surrendered fully to what He wants for us. And so, I challenge you to, to think about that as we pray tonight, as we, just, as, we just, as we leave, as we go home. Think about, have you really fully surrendered yourself to the fact that God is in control. God can be trusted. God is big enough. God has a better plan.
plan. He has a better, uh, better map than what we have. Um, may we be able to say, when we have to come before the tempter, or we come before Satan, may we be able to say that we are not going to assume that God will catch us. We're not going to assume that God is going to bail us out. We're not going to assume that God is going to do respond to our bad ideas or our bad decisions. Let's pray. God, I just pray tonight that uh, uh, you know we have we have a, a just a small group here tonight, God, and 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 I just pray for each one of these students that you would help us to be people that cooperate with you and your plan. You you have laid it all out. You've drawn the map and it's perfect in every way. We don't need to come in and dictate and manipulate and try to do it our way, God. And I just pray that each one of us, um, no matter how young or old or what's going on in our life, God, that we would realize that and that we would make a point to, to do our best to, to put ourselves on the path that you have for us. Especially, God, when it comes to temptation. May we be able to pause and remember, God, that you are good, that you have a plan, that you have a direction for us. God, and, and, and that we shouldn't try to manipulate you and force your hand and, and, and do things our own way. God, may we be people that do it your way. Because you are in control, God, and you can be trusted and you are big enough to handle every, everything that life is going to throw at us. You know what it is to be tempted in every way and come out sinless, God. And may we grow in greater strength in that, uh, in that regard. May we be able to continue to overcome and, and say no to temptation in our lives, God. Sometimes the devil really ramps it up and he just attacks us, especially those of, those of us in here, God, who are trying to grow closer to you. It seems like the closer we grow to you, God, the more Satan tries to tempt us and to put people in our lives that are going to drag us away. And I pray for that protection for each student and, uh, and, and for the adults in here as well, God, that we would just put you first in our lives and we would fully surrender to you. Jesus, be with us as we go and go home and, or go wherever we go tonight. Just protect us as we travel. and um, May we arrive safely wherever we're going tonight and have a good week this week. God, may we be able to focus on you and put you first in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next time.